You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You may like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You might be a rock and roll addict prancing on the stage. You might have drugs at your command, women in a cage. You may be a businessman or some high-degree thief. They may call you doctor, or they may call you chief. You may be a state trooper. You might be a young Turk. You may be the head of some big TV network. You may be rich or poor. You may be blind or lame. You may be living in another country under another name. You may be a construction worker working on a home. You may be living in a mansion, or you might live in a dome. You might own guns, and you might even own tanks. You might be somebody's landlord. You might even own banks. You may be a preacher with your spiritual pride. You may be a city councilman taking bribes on the side. You may be working in a barber shop. You may know how to cut hair. You may be somebody's mistress. Maybe somebody's heir. Might like to wear cotton. Might like to wear silk. Might like to drink whiskey. Might like to drink milk. You might like to eat caviar. You might like to eat bread. You may be sleeping on the floor or sleeping in a king-size bed. You may call me Terry. You may call me Timmy. You may call me Bobby. You may call me Zimmy. You may call me R.J. You may call me Ray. If it's yours truly. You may call me Father Ray. You may call me anything, but no matter what you say, you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Thank you, Bob Dylan. Thank you, Bob Dylan, for helping me to explain this very difficult gospel passage we just heard from Luke chapter 16 with the lyrics from one of your songs. My brothers and sisters, many scripture scholars, many preachers will tell you. That this story we just heard in our gospel, this story of the dishonest steward, they will tell you this is the most difficult parable of Jesus to interpret and understand, and I'm inclined to agree with them. And one of the reasons for the difficulty, according to scripture scholar William Barclay, is that there are at least four different lessons attached to this one parable. The first has to do with the passion and dedication of Christians compared to the passion and dedication of worldly people. The second lesson concerns the use of material possessions. The third lesson is that a person's way of fulfilling a small task indicates his fitness or unfitness to perform a greater task. And the fourth lesson is no slave can serve two masters. Now that sounds like four separate themes, does it not? Four separate, disconnected lessons. Well, not really. There is at least 
one idea, one theme, one word that connects all these different lessons. And it's the very same idea that stands behind the lyrics of the Dylan song I quoted to you a few moments ago. And the word is commitment. If you forget everything else I say in this homily, do remember that one word, because that's what it's all about. It's about commitment. See, these four lessons and that song, you got to serve somebody, they all have to do with our commitment, our commitment to Jesus Christ, our commitment to living his gospel, our commitment to his truth, our commitment to his church. Take the first lesson. Jesus says, the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with this generation than are the children of light. Professor William Barclay says the following about that particular verse. He says, This means that if only the Christian was as eager and ingenious in his attempt to attain goodness as the man of the world is in his attempt to attain money and comfort, he would be a much better man. If only men would give as much attention to the things which concern their souls as they do to the things which concern their business, they would be much better men. Over and over again, a man will expend 20 times the amount of time and money and effort on his pleasure, his hobby, his garden, his sport, as he does on his church. Our Christianity will begin to be real and effective only when we spend as much time and effort on it as we do on our worldly activities. In other words, the commitment of believers to Jesus, to his gospel, to his truth, to his church, that commitment, unfortunately, is usually less than the commitment of worldly people to gaining the things of this world and enjoying the things of this world and promoting the things of this world. And I'll give you one very timely example. Just look at how committed, deeply committed, many of the worldly people in the secular press are right now, how committed they are to turning our Pope, Francis, into a liberal, just like they are. They're trying to do that almost every day by misrepresenting the things he says or by pulling them completely out of context. If you want to know my thoughts on this matter more fully, just read what I said on the front page of today's Westerly Sun. And by the way, I try to maintain a low profile. I really do. I, I, I don't go looking for this. They come after me. They want comments from me. So I, I give them comments because I think it's what the Lord wants me to do. But I, I'm really a quiet guy, believe me. But you know, if only more Catholic parents were as committed to the religious education and development of their children as those journalists are to make Pope Francis a liberal, if, if the Catholic parents were as committed as those liberal journalists are, we'd have a much stronger church. You ask Chris McGowan, who's our director of religious education, you ask any DRE in any parish, and they will tell you in no uncertain terms that to many Catholic parents these days, religious education is no more than an afterthought. 
If it fits into the schedule, fine. If it doesn't, oh well, what are you going to do? We had registration here at St. Pius for CCD on three separate weekends in late August and early September. And I can't tell you how many calls we got in the last few weeks from parents asking, gee, when is CCD registration? Obviously, those parents are in church a lot with their children. Obviously, their commitment to Jesus and his gospel and his truth and his church, all of that runs really deep, obviously, right? Do you know how many young people say to me, Father Ray, we'd like to go to church, but, you know, we're just too busy. And there's any and every excuse. I had a young person say to me this week that she couldn't go to Mass last weekend with her family because they had to go pick apples. I was really glad to see the rain earlier this morning. I thought, gee, they can't go pick apples this week. Maybe they'll be in church. It's about commitment. This idea of commitment also stands behind the other three lessons in this parable. The second lesson about the proper use of money and material possessions, that lesson is found in these words of Jesus. Our Lord says, I tell you, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth, so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The word dishonest, by the way, is used there to describe earthly wealth because, unfortunately, earthly wealth can tend to lead some people, at least, to dishonesty. That's the interpretation given in one of the footnotes in the New American Bible. And I thought, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. As Catholic Christians, our commitment to Jesus and his gospel and his truth and his church needs to go beyond words. It's supposed to be evident in every dimension of our lives. It's supposed to be evident in the way we use all the stuff God has blessed us with. It's supposed to be evident in our generosity to our parish, in our generosity to the poor, the needy out there in the world. Those are ways to make friends for ourselves with dishonest wealth. Which leads directly to the third lesson found in, in these words of our Lord. Our Lord says, the person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. And the person who is dishonest in small matters is also dishonest in great ones. If, therefore, you are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, who will trust you with true wealth? If you are not trustworthy with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours? In other words, our commitment, there's that word again, commitment, our commitment to using our earthly wealth, our earthly blessings in the proper way, will influence directly whether or not we receive the true and everlasting wealth of heaven. Which means you can't serve two masters. Lesson number four. See, when all is said and done, my brothers and sisters, and everything else is stripped away, either we are in the state of grace or we're not. That's true of each and every one of us. It's true of every single human person on planet Earth right now. Either our commitment is to Jesus and his gospel, or it's to the things of this world and the prince of this world. And that's why Dylan wrote and sang those words we heard a few moments ago. It's a great refrain. You're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. 
Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. May each and every one of us always and everywhere serve the Lord and only the Lord.